Welcome to Stay Engaged. Everything you know and love about the IAB's flagship conference, Engage, but reimagined for these extraordinary times. It's Engage, but offstage. In this offstage audio session from Rabbit and Pork, we are talking voice. With hundreds and millions of Amazon Alexa smart speakers in homes worldwide and Google Assistant available on more than a billion devices, an assistant-powered future is much closer than people think. This session analyzes a day in the near future, envisioning how consumers will use virtual assistants to enrich their everyday lives and exploring what brands can do to get in on the action. Hello and welcome to our IAB Engage audio session. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you're all well. My name is Steph and I'm a business director at Rabbit and Pork and I'm joined today by my colleague Catherine, who's one of our talented voice developers. Hi, everyone. At Rabbit and Pork, there's voice experience agency, which basically means we harness the power of voice technology, particularly the Google Assistant and Amazon Alexa, to help brands better connect with their consumers. And for anyone confused about the name, Rabbit and Pork is the Cockney rhyming slang for talk. So as a London-based agency, we thought it fitted quite well. Exactly. So as you would expect from a voice agency, this session is going to be about voice technology, how far it's come over the past few years and how we expect it to grow in the future. We're not going to be doing it your traditional way. Instead of just having a discussion, we've actually turned some of our colleagues into voice actors. We're going to play out scenarios of how we consumers will interact with assistants in the near future. Catherine and I will then analyze these scenarios and discuss which interactions are currently possible which are just out of reach, and what technology we need to get there. The aim of this session is to educate and inspire. There are currently hundreds of millions of Amazon Alexa homes around the world, and billions of people have access to the Google Assistant as it's built into pretty much all Android phones. But most consumers only use these devices for quite a limited set of tasks, rather than pushing them to their full potential. We hope that by acting out and discussing the following scenarios, we can inspire people, whether they're thinking as consumers or agencies or brands, start thinking about how they can use voice to genuinely make a positive impact on everyday life. Okay, so let's get to it. Throughout the scenarios, our consumer is called Jamie and our virtual assistant is called Christina. First up is the morning routine. Stop alarm. Good morning, Christina. Good morning, Jamie. It's 6.30am. You slept for eight hours, 12 minutes and had a sleep score of 87%. So you should be feeling well rested today. Would you like to hear your schedule for the day? Yes, please. You've got a 9.30am team call. Lunch is booked for 12.30pm at Hawksmoor, Covent Garden. And you have a 3pm client meeting with Future Finance in Barbican. According to your half marathon training schedule, you need to get in a five mile run this morning before work. Okay, what type of run? It's sprint training today. So you need to run 10 half mile sprints. This should take you about 45 minutes based on your current fitness levels. So I suggest leaving in the next 10 minutes to avoid the rain. Sound good? Yep. Okay. Great. I'll open your blinds to get you going. You've got 35% charge on your Echo Buds, which will last about five hours. Okay. I'm ready to go. Okay. Starting your playlist, Fun Run, and Strava will start tracking your activity in 30 seconds. Right. So there's quite a lot to discuss in this scenario. Yeah, most elements of this are already possible in some form or another. Yeah, so with the sleep tracker, one of the most popular categories of Alexa skills is sleep. But most of these are really to help you to get to sleep, so such as white noise, ocean sounds, or, or telling a bedtime story. 
There are also some skills that claim to track your sleep, but I've looked into these and they actually seem to just be timers really that tell you how long you slept for rather than giving you information on the quality of your sleep. So at the moment, there are a couple of ways you can find out about your sleep quality via voice. You can do it using the Alexa Fitbit skill if you've already got a Fitbit that you wear and you can ask how you slept the night before. Or there are some things like undersheet trackers, which can sense movement called sleep tracker, which is basically a smart bed. And that also has its own skill. Yeah. And a more seamless way for Alexa to track your sleep quality would be through analyzing your breathing patterns in the way that the Sleep Cycle mobile app does. I've used that in the past and find it really accurate. But obviously, current concerns around data privacy might prevent this from happening anytime soon. Yeah, data captured by smart speakers is a much bigger concern than data captured by mobile apps for most consumers. Another way they could do it is Amazon have recently released the Echo Loop in the US, not in the UK, but that hasn't really taken up much adoption yet. Moving on to the daily schedule, this is reasonably easy to do. On Alexa, you can link your calendar from Google, Microsoft Outlook, Apple, Microsoft Exchange. Google Assistant is a bit more tricky. You can only easily sync your Google Calendar. The fact that you can't sync Outlook to a home hub has actually caused a lot of frustration in the community. It highlights quite a big problem here with the current way of working because the tech giants need to work together. But for example, Microsoft and Google refusing to do so in this case, consumers are getting quite frustrated. Yeah, and we're likely to see that competition continue for a while, I think. Um, But the full potential of voice assistance will only really be harnessed when you can seamlessly move between environments without having to invoke separate systems by name. So without having to remember to say Alexa to one device and then Google to another. On the health and fitness front, the situation played out in this scenario is pretty close to what you can already do with your voice assistant. So there are loads of Google and Alexa fitness actions and skills. But in order to take these to the next level, there really needs to be more personalization, as in this example. Yeah, it's hard for the devices to know how fit someone is just by listening to them. Uh, So the more biometric data you can have, the more personalized your digital trainer can be and the more chance you have of achieving your goals. Coming back to Fitbits again as an example, this is one of the ways your voice assistant can tailor exercise recommendations for you based on what they already know about your activity and fitness levels. But it'll be interesting to see what happens now, considering that Google bought Fitbit last year. At the moment, Fitbit's still integrated with Alexa, but I'm assuming that's probably going to change. Yeah, Google have been trying to get into wearables for quite a while. So this is their next step to try and compete with the likes of Apple Watch. Again, uh, similar with the sleep tracker, the big limitation here is around privacy. I know quite a lot of people who bought Fitbits because they were glad that one of the big companies wasn't controlling the data. Obviously, that's changed now. And how much of their health data are people willing to share with tech giants? I think the biggest thing with this example, morning routine, which makes it different from what we can currently achieve with voice assistants, is the fact that all voice activated functions work together seamlessly and the assistant plays an active role in getting the person going in their day. So at the moment, we can set up our morning routine so that a number of functions are strung together. So, for example, if you have customized your morning routine and you say, good morning, Alexa, then it'll read out uh, the news from your preferred provider, the weather update for your area, how long your commute's going to be, things like that. But we still have to ask our voice assistants to perform functions, whereas in this example, the assistant is actually the one suggesting the actions for the human. So moving on to the second scene, this is a scenario for someone cooking lunch during their day. Christina, time for lunch. Hi, Jamie. According to your nutrition plan, you have 450 calories set aside for lunch. The salmon in the fridge needs to be eaten today. Would you like me to suggest a recipe based on the ingredients in your fridge? 
Yes, please. Option one, teriyaki glazed salmon with tender stem broccoli and sweet potato. Option two, poached salmon with asparagus and dill sauce. Both recipes take less than 30 minutes to prepare, as I know you only have an hour until your next meeting. Okay, I like the sound of option one. Great. I've switched the oven on for you while you prepare your meal. You'll need to get the following items ready. One piece of salmon, half a pack of tender stem broccoli, one sweet potato, teriyaki sauce, and sesame seeds. When you're ready for step one, say next. Next. Okay. Grease a large baking sheet with cooking spray or butter and place the salmon in the middle of the tray, skin side down. When you're ready for step two, say next. Next. Slice the sweet potato into one centimeter thick discs and scatter around the salmon together with the broccoli. Drizzle the salmon and vegetables with a teriyaki sauce, scatter the sesame seeds on top and place in the oven for 20 minutes. Okay, done. Great. I've set a timer for you and will add this meal to your food tracker. Would you like me to add salmon to your shopping list? Yes, please. Mmm, sounds delicious. So, on the calorie counting front, some brands have already launched voice apps which allow people to log their meals and set health and fitness goals. I know MyFitnessPal, for example, that's, that's quite a well-known brand. Um, they've got loads of good reviews, but it's only available in the US at the moment. But there are similar skills and actions from smaller brands in the UK which can tell you your calorie breakdown, macros, how much water you've consumed, things like that, provided that you give them the information over the course of your day. Plus, you can tell how you're tracking on your progress towards a goal weight. Yeah, but similar to the exercise plan example, the diet plans that we currently have available via voice assistance aren't really that personalised. So you, you get some AA-based diet planning programmes which rely on machine learning and data analytics to make meal plans for your specific digestive system. But and the idea is that AI would analyse the user's metabolism and digestive system to create an ideal meal plan for their needs. Yeah, I've heard about this. It sounds amazing. It's created by Google and IBM, right? Yeah, yeah that's right. Um, so I imagine it'll give people a much higher confidence of achieving their goal weight, but it could also be really useful in preventing things like diabetes and malnutrition. Though by the sounds of things, we're not quite there yet. So this might take a few years to enter the mainstream. Yeah, so that one's a little way off. But the recipe instructions via voice, such as in this example, is another popular use case that already exists. BBC Good Food was one of the first brands in the UK to get on board with this. I think they now have more monthly users of their voice app than their mobile app, which is quite something. I think one of the reasons people really love recipe skills and actions is because the kitchen is an area where you don't really want to use your fingers to touch services, especially if you've been cooking with meat or making cakes or stuff. Your hands are usually covered in whatever ingredient you're busy cooking with. Unlocking your mobile to read the next step is a pretty messy experience. I think recipe voice apps have been taking good usage for a while now. They were one of the first to take off, but it makes sense. And if you look at where most people have smart speakers located in the home, I know kitchen, living room and bedroom are the three highest. So it's just identifying those use cases where people really don't want to use their hands and then developing something that's useful for them at that point in time. People have been using them for a while, but it also seems that during lockdown, People have been using them more and more. So there have been a few reports, as much as an 80% increase by some recipe brands or cooking brands. And in the recent years, like people are using their smart speakers, their voice assistants more and more on a daily basis. But the number of things that they use them for was quite limited compared with what they actually could use them for. So it's like asking simple questions, checking the weather, playing music or the news. So actually people being home all the time 
during this lockdown period, engaging more with their voice assistants, it could end up being the tipping point for me, for people to start using their smart speakers and voice assistants on a daily basis. Yeah, so this kitchen scenario, there actually isn't a single action here that isn't currently possible. Amazon have already released their Alexa smart oven in the US, which is controlled by voice. And Samsung have smart fridges. So they have little cameras inside which can read the expiry dates. You can see on the outside via a camera what you've got in the fridge and it gives you notifications when things are going off. And obviously, Samsung also have Bixby, their virtual assistant, which is something that could potentially be integrated with these smart fridges. Not something they've done yet, though. The main difference, though, is that not many people have these types of expensive smart home appliances at the moment, other than smart speakers. But in the future, when we all have smart fridges and other appliances, we'll find that our voice assistants are suggesting recipes to us based on what's in the fridge rather than asking us what we can cook with salmon. Or our dustbin will automatically add milk to our shopping list after scanning the label and realising we've used the last bottle. I look forward to that. It's going to save a lot of time. And so moving on to the final scenario, it's now evening, settling in for the evening, and uh, Jamie is trying to choose something to watch on TV. Christina, inspire me. I want to watch a crime documentary, not a series, though. Okay. Looking at your Netflix viewing history, you haven't watched Top Detective yet. Here's the trailer. You've got your Echo Buds built in, so you can just nod your head if you look like the look of it or shake your head if you don't. Glad you like it. The documentary only has one episode and is 90 minutes long, so you can be in bed before 9.30pm. Sound good? Yep. Great. Movie mode? Yes, please. No problem. I'm putting the lights down to 5%, shutting the blinds and starting the popcorn machine. Enjoy. Well... The bit in this scenario about talking to your TV is already possible and quite widespread. Um, Samsung has had voice control TVs out since 2012, before Alexa even launched, and they've improved a lot over the years. But these days you can use their built-in voice assistant to search for shows or for films or play a show, play a movie, pause it, rewind, as well as asking questions like you would of a smart speaker. So what's the weather forecast for today or what's in my calendar? Um, so in some households, people are using their smart TVs even more than their smart speakers. And Samsung's done well to lead the way by allowing people to use their smart TVs to also check on other connected devices within the home, such as smart fridge. So it's a good way of kind of increasing brand loyalty. Yeah, Samsung's did really well launching their own voice assistant outside of Google and Amazon. But Google and Amazon are also both making headway in the smart TV space. Quite interestingly, Samsung's described as not try and block out Google and Amazon with their TVs, but has actually integrated them into their own smart TVs, uh, although Bixby remains the default built-in voice assistant. Yeah, you're seeing that another area where you're seeing kind of multiple assistants residing in the same place is within cars. Um, so no, most new models of cars have got either Google or Alexa or the built-in, for example, BMW or Mercedes. I think Tesla is the only one that's holding out at the moment, probably to try and only use their own technology. But yeah, it's kind of a step in the direction of us moving towards a multi-assistant world. But at the moment, you get a whole range of, of other TVs which work only with Google or Alexa or with both. So you've got LG, Philips, Sony, they all run on Android TV, which means the Google Assistant is built into the hardware and they've already got tens of millions of users. 
Yeah, Alexa have got their own Amazon Fire TV. They only launched it three years after the launch of Android TV, though, so they're a bit quick, bit slow on the uptake there. But Amazon have quickly closed the gap using strategic partnerships with people like Sony, LG TV, JVC, Toshiba. They've got almost 40 million users now. And it's not really a surprise that voice control TV is taking off. We both went to that talk last year by one of the members of the TiVo marketing team. And Mm -hmm. um, the guy who was presenting, he said the amount of time taken to search for a show on Netflix, for example, was drastically reduced when you do it via voice. Don't quote me on the stats because I can't remember the exact numbers, but the reduction was something like 30 to 40 seconds if you were typing a search down to you know, maximum four seconds if you're searching by a voice. And it makes sense if you think about how clunky the experience is to search for a show on Netflix using your remote and individually typing in each letter. Yeah, I've had a lot of that recently with being stuck inside. It's a bit like going back to the old texting with your fingers and you wonder how you ever managed beforehand. Yeah. Uh, And when you've lost the remote as well, it's really, really useful to be able to just say to Alexa and ask for whatever it's got on Netflix. If you've got the Amazon Fire Stick, I've been using that quite a bit. So accessing TV content via voice commands is definitely something we can all enjoy right now at home if you've got the right setup. But um, a few things in this example which weren't quite possible yet. The personalization is a level I would love to see in the near future. It's not something we've got at the moment because we don't have AI and stuff built in with your previous recommendations. At the moment, you can ask for a crime series or a particular show but stringing together multiple criteria and then combining that with your viewing history and planned bedtime isn't quite possible yet but I think it's probably not too far away hopefully although we're also not quite at the stage yet where we've got sensors from our echo buds built into our skulls with motion sensors I know this is Elon Musk's view of the near future that we'll all have some AI brain chip implanted in the next few years but I think the level of enthusiasm for this remains to be seen this might be more of a longer term or never goal. (laughs) I'm happy enough to be able to control my TV with my voice and I'm sure if I need that extra head shaking and nodding functionality at the moment. Yeah, agreed. I've seen some quite weird documentaries about people with brain implants. Uh, I think it's put me off. The main difference here, as we've seen with the previous scenarios, is that the voice assistant is really playing a proactive role in helping the user organise their life. So they don't just know what type of series you might want to watch. They also know what time you need to go to bed in order to have that optimal night's sleep that we saw in the beginning. They know how you want the room set up and what you want to snack on while watching the show. So it's much more of an integrated experience. Exactly. I think the appeal of these innovations and voice assistance is that once it gets to know us, it'll free us up to focus on bigger things that matter. So it'll take over the tasks that we no longer have time for or that we can't be bothered to do, like making a booking for the hairdresser or keeping our fridges stocked. Um, And the power, absolutely, it it lies in personalization. So it means that we're no longer saturated by endless choices. Instead, we're only given options that are unique to our own individual needs and tastes. Yeah, agreed. And it also has the ability to do all kinds of those mundane tasks that you don't like doing. Like, I hate phoning up restaurants and making bookings and seeing if they've got space. But Google launched a service that would do that for you. And they've had some things where the restaurants don't even know that it's an assistant calling. They haven't even been able to tell because the the personalization is so good. And another example at the moment with COVID, we're all having issues with having to stay on hold for things like uh, getting travel refunds. And I've actually noticed that a lot of the insurance companies and banks have started improving their online chatbots and their sort of phone systems to handle more queries so it doesn't have to go the whole way through to the, the call center, which is good for both them for reducing the amount of time spent on calls and also for the customer.
and there's so much potential there just to reduce mundane tasks and the hope being that with all this extra time we're going to have on our hands we can use them for higher level tasks rather than just watching more Netflix so (laughs) what do you think in your opinion what are the key barriers that need to be overcome so voice assistants can fulfill their potential so I think one of the key things that we've been touching on here is allowing your voice assistant to become more integrated with your life, a sort of a more seamless experience. And for that to happen, I think one of the things that needs to happen is that the voice assistant needs to be able to integrate without waiting for a keyword like Alexa or Hey Google, which kind of makes the experience a lot more clunky. Amazon actually started trying to release some software that does that. They've developed it recently, but there's been a bit of an uproar about it because no one really likes the thought of their assistant listening to them in the background. And there's been a lot of press around voice and people listening to recordings to train the models in the background to make the assistant better. So independent contractors. And obviously people are getting a bit concerned at the idea that other humans are listening into their private conversations that they didn't know were being recorded. The thing is that people don't realize how much actual surveillance is going on of their other activities online. Because yeah. not so much of a fuss is being made of it as the voice side yeah voices and smart speakers in particular have definitely had some some bad pr on the data front but no one i don't know maybe it's because it's new and so people question it a lot Mm -hmm. more but i found in the same way when we first started getting really really targeted instagram ads after having a conversation with your friend and not performing any searches on your phone and the next thing you'd be serves an ad for whatever it was you were just talking about like in the beginning that was really creepy to us and now I have to be honest, I buy from them all the time. So <laughs> I guess it's just that that value exchange. It's like if people can get over the sharing of their data issue, then it just means you're going to get a highly, you know, much more personalized experience. Personalization isn't really possible without sharing some data, but it's it's obviously within limits. It's exactly the same sort of with Facebook. I only recently realized that Facebook is able to track me around a load of websites, even when I'm not even on Facebook, if I've just been logged in on that browser. But the people at Facebook did some kinds of calculations and found out that people didn't actually mind the targeting so much if it was useful to them. So I'd much rather see a load of adverts in my newsfeed for something that I'm actually potentially interested in buying, even if that means I've lost a bit of data. So I guess it's the same with voice assistance as to what people are happy to give up in terms of privacy for the extra convenience, as you were saying. And it's not going to be for everyone, but I think what these scenarios have really highlighted is that the voice assistant can really become more of your personal assistant if you let it. And it's just if that benefit outweighs the negatives of having to share some of your data Mm -hmm. then it's it's right for some people but it's just you know to be able to take over some of those tasks so that you don't even have to think about on a daily basis it's is massively useful for a lot of people Mm -hmm. so yeah well it'll be interesting to see how the next few years unfold the adoption rates and I know that a lot of brands are sort of thinking about getting into getting into voice, but sometimes it seems quite disconnected from your website and from your app. So, Steph, what would you say is the first step for sort of making that sort of switch over from the, the sort of visual digital side to the audio side? Well, I'd say there are two main routes that you could take. So there's the one route is voice search and the other is is voice apps at the moment. So the first stage is it's very data driven. And so it's optimizing your website. So if someone asks Google a question, can you be the one result that gets read out? So unlike traditional SEO, where you've got your 10 blue links and you scroll visually and choose the best match for you, 
with voice searches, you only get served one result. So if you can gain those, it obviously gives you a massive competitive advantage. And so what we do is we use a voice search tracking tool that we develop so you can understand what people are searching for and then which sites the voice assistants or Google and Alexa are pulling these answers from. And then you can identify areas of content opportunity to try and maximize your chances that the assistants will choose you know, one of our clients' websites when looking for answers. Uh, the difference here is that it's a one-way flow of information. So someone will ask a question, Alexa, blah, 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 and it'll answer and just give you one answer. It'll reference the website most of the time, but it's not a two-way conversation past that point. So the second stage is the bit that I find a lot more creative where you know you usually start off by running a workshop with the brand and, and come up with all the different use cases where voice can make a difference to their business. And then off the back of that, you build a voice app for Google and for Alexa. So Back to your insurance example, if an insurance client says you've got 2,000 people sitting in a call center and 80% of the time they're answering questions like, Can, am I covered to drive in France? Where they could have just got that out of their policy document, but no one likes looking through their policy documents because they're lengthy and boring. So can you create a voice app where someone could go, Google, am I covered to drive in France? And it'll just reference your policy document for you. Yes or no. If you're not, would you like to upgrade You know, quickly? seamlessly kind of driving business benefits. There's a lot of creative examples that exist out there. Some brands have done them really well across all sorts of different industries. So that's definitely, I, th- I would say the voice search side of things is like covering your bases and then the voice apps is creating engagement with your customers. Yeah, obviously I find the voice app more entertaining as well, but that's that's not <laughs> the reason for companies to do it. That's all time we've got for at the moment. Have you got any closing thoughts? I think just the stage that we're at right now, it's no longer about asking whether voice is going to be big. We already know. We've seen the increases over the last few years. It's really taking off. It's the question right now really is how can I get involved? So thank you for listening. Uh, hopefully we've given you a little bit of food for thought. And if you've got any questions about voice, then feel free to get in touch. You're listening to Stay Engaged from IAB UK. Thank you for tuning in to this offstage audio session. If you've enjoyed this session, please share it and tag at IAB UK on Twitter or Instagram. Subscribe wherever you're listening to hear the rest of the Stay Engaged sessions and for the regular IAB UK podcast. Tomorrow's Stay Engaged offstage session is a podcast bonanza. Acast will be joined by Emily Dean from Walking the Dog, James Barr and Dan Hudson of A Gay and a Non-Gay, and Caroline Foran from Owning It, the Anxiety Podcast. Coming up as part of Stay Engaged.